we praise you that your son Jesus has come as our king, our victorious, crucified, and risen Lord. And as we have just sung, we praise you because that same Jesus is coming again. Coming to make the world right. Coming to make what is bad untrue. Coming to bring life where we have experienced death. Coming to fulfill the joy that is in the heart of everyone who knows you. Coming in power and great glory. Oh, what a day. Father, up until that time, we worship you, we look to you, we give ourselves to you. Up until that time, we come to your word that we might know you, know you more, and know you better. Father, speak to us now through your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, uh, I know you've been on your feet. Uh, please remain there for just a few more moments as we read Matthew 3, 1 through 12. This is the word of our King. This is the word of God. Uh, let us attend to the reading of the gospel. Matthew 3, 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God, and so we declare, thanks be to God, you may be seated. Advent 
which opened last Sunday as Pastor David preached on the, the coming, the, the, re, the sudden return of Jesus, our Lord. Advent is that time when we remember that Jesus, the Messiah, came. God himself, wrapped in flesh, born as that baby in Bethlehem, the, the fulfillment of the prophets, uh, the desire of nations, Jesus, Messiah, came to teach and to live and to bleed and to die on a cross for the sin of the world and to be raised to life, the conquering of death, and to go and be the right hand of the Father. We remember that. But we also remember that Advent is a time not only looking back, but looking forward. Advent is a time when we remember that we are in between times. Jesus has come, and Jesus is coming again, as we sang. Today, as we read uh, the message of John the Baptist, the one who came to prepare the way of the Lord, the Messiah, we are confronted with the reality of our need for repentance. And that as our king comes, and as we are preparing for the coming of our king, our conquering Jesus, who will come and make the world right, we read in this passage and in other passages that Jesus, when he comes, he will judge the earth. And so the posture, a wise posture, for every one of us who follows Jesus, and for those of us who may not follow Jesus yet, a wise posture at the coming of our King to prepare the way for the Lord is a posture of repentance. When um, Stephanie and I were dating back in the early 90s, we decided that we were going to go see the Phantom of the Opera in Toronto, which is an easy jaunt from her home. Her mother's home was in uh, near Buffalo, New York, and so it's an easy jaunt up to Toronto, and I lived in Erie, so on break, I forget which break it was, uh, we were, I was in Erie and she was in Buffalo, and so we decided we're going to go to a matinee of Phantom of the Opera. And I could drive from Erie, pick her up in Buffalo, drive to Toronto for the 2 o'clock, and then we could uh, have dinner and then, and then get back to, to, to her place. So that morning, everything's ready. Car's gassed up. I have everything I need. And so I head off from my house and I am so excited to get there. And there's the signs for I-90. Which way on I-90 do I go to get to Buffalo from Erie? I go, I go westbound. So I got on the westbound. And if you know the, the, the geography of that part of the world, you know that if you're in Erie, Pennsylvania, and you want to go to Buffalo, New York, which is towards the Atlantic Ocean, you're going to go east. And I'm going towards Cleveland. And if I go past Cleveland, I get to here. And so I'm going west. And, I'm, and as soon as I got on there and I saw the sign, 86 miles to Cleveland, I went, wait a second, what am I doing? 
And so at the very first time that I could, I got off and I turned around and I started heading towards Buffalo. Check. Good news. So there I am. I'm driving towards Buffalo, listening to Phantom of the Opera in my, uh, in my Ford or Chevy Lumina. All right? Had a Chevy Lumina Euro 3.0. It's cool. It wasn't cool. It's like a grandmother's car. Sorry, grandmother's, but it's kind of like a grandmother's car, but it had a tail fin on the back, so I thought it was cool. So I'm driving, listening to Phantom of the Opera, and 86 miles to Buffalo. Great. So I, I'm going, 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 going. I get to Fredonia, New York, and all of this. You know how something like, it's like, what am I forgetting? And it's just like it noodles back here for a while, then all of a sudden, the tickets! Oh, no, they are on the kitchen counter right where I left them. Uh, kids, this is the day before iPhones, and so you actually needed to have paper tickets, cardstock tickets that they sent you in the mail that I had, but I didn't have them because they were about, I don't know, 45 minutes behind me back at my home in Erie. Oh, so what did I do? Get off the tollway, turn around, go back to Erie, 45 minutes. Got them, got back on the highway, and drove really fast. <laughs> we, we made the show. It was wonderful. It's the Phantom of the Opera. It was, it was awesome, right? And it was great. Here, here's the deal. Uh, twice on that trip, I had to turn around. And I had to turn around twice on that trip. The first time, because... The love of my life was in the opposite direction of the way that I was traveling. She was over there about 90 minutes that way, and I was going that way. And so as soon as I figured that out, I turned around because I wanted to be with her. And then all of a sudden, when I found out that neither she nor I were able to get into the event that we wanted to, oh man, I turned that thing around so fast and I went and got what I needed and I got back. I turned and I turned and I headed in the direction that I wanted to go. Friends, that is a picture of repentance. Repentance is simply turning around. Repentance means to turn from the way that you're going to the way of the Lord. It means to turn from my best idea, my best wish, want, or desire, and turn toward the path of life, which is looking towards Jesus. John the Baptist preaches a message of repentance. It's very short. It's very concise. Verse 2, his message is repent, turn, turn around. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. It's not only near, but the time has come. God's reign has come. So join him. Remember who you are. Remember why you're made. You're made for him. So turn. 
Uh, We have in in this passage, we have the the message of John the Baptist there in verse 2. And in verse 3, Matthew, as the gospel writer always does, he sets what's happening in his time in in the biblical context of history. And he's saying, oh, by the way, this message of repentance, it is, it is not separated from what God said would be preached in the past. And so he links the message of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, with what Isaiah said would happen in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And so in doing so, Matthew is telling us that in order that repenting, is about preparing to meet the Messiah. In verse 4, we have a description of this wild man, uh, John the Baptist. And we, if we know our, our Bibles, we are to think about uh, the wild man, Elijah, uh, back in, in 2 Kings. Uh, he, he, this, this prophet, John the Baptist, uh, it looks like the prophet uh, of Elijah. He wore this uh, garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. He eats locusts, the one insect that is legal for Jews to eat in the law. Uh, and it's kind of gross, I know. And wild honey. And we're told that he's out in the wilderness preaching a baptism for repentance. And we're also told that his message is resonating with the people. We're told, it's a little bit of a hyperbole, but all Jerusalem and all Judea and all the surrounding, this guy is a rock star pastor. He has this huge following out in the wilderness. Why? Because the people are waiting. They're they're waiting for hope. They're waiting for a king who will come and save them. They're waiting for the lover of their souls to come and to fulfill them. They're waiting for joy in the midst of a time that is dark and hard. They're waiting for deliverance. And so when John comes and and he says, the deliverer is here, turn to him. Oh boy, the people come and they flock to him. But then verse 7 happens. At first, this seems like good news. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, these are the the leaders of the people. Uh, The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're two different groups of kind of high-level Jews, and they actually don't get along at all, ever, these two groups. The Pharisees are a lay movement. These are people who are trying to live righteously, uh, it, it's an amazing movement, a renewal movement within Judaism around the time of Jesus. And so they're trying to follow the law in order to be holy because God is holy and has told them to be holy. So they're trying to follow the law in order to do that. The Sadducees, they're like off the rails. They, they are... They are power hungry. They've given up on different doctrines that are essential to the life of Judaism, but they're in power. And they get to choose the high priest and and the governing council and all of these different things. So the Pharisees would look at the Sadducees like they're the corrupt ones. And the Sadducees look at the Pharisees and they would say, well, they're the zealots. They're kind of weird. They're like really serious about this stuff. And and those two groups, they don't like each other at all. But it's interesting they both come out to see what is going on with John the Baptist. Because John is preaching this message and people are coming to confess their sin and to be baptized by him. 
Jews don't get baptized. Did you know that? What's happening right here in in Matthew chapter 3? It's never happened ever before. Now, Jews know about ritual purity. They they wash themselves in water as an outward expression of, of, of confessing their sin. But baptism is different. Baptism is about your identity. Yes, it's a symbol for washing away sin, but baptism is about who you follow. Baptism is, I used to be identified like this, but now I'm identified with him or in this way, or with this teaching. See, baptism goes deeper than just washing. It's the first time in history that we see that Jews are coming out. The Jews are Jews. They're, 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 they're sons and daughters of Abraham. I mean, they, they have the lineage back to the patriarchs, and they have the law and the prophets and all that stuff. Why would they come out into the wilderness to hear the preaching of a crazy man and get baptized? When they came out, when he saw many, when John the Baptist, verse 7, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, probably not to get baptized, probably to observe what's going on, he said to them, how about this for preaching? Hey, you're all welcome here, you know, we're, you know, happy Sunday. You brood of vipers, he says, you snakes. Who warned you to slither away from the fire that's coming for you? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Have any of you ever been really sorry for something that you did or said? Okay, we can all raise our hands, right? That's a Sunday school question. So here's the deal. Have any of you ever said, man, I am so sorry for what I said to you? And you might say, I'll never say that again. And then you go do it later. You say it again. Or you don't say the same thing, but you're equally as snarky as you were when you said that thing? It's never happened to you, ever? That's not repentance. Repentance is not feeling bad about behavior that is not good. Repentance is not really... uh, even rationalizing, you know what, that was, that was wrong of me. Repentance is not um, confessing to somebody or to the Lord that I did something wrong. John says, here's what repentance is. He says, bear fruit in keeping that, with that repentance. What he means is, If you've repented, remember repentance is turning, turning from this to this. And if you've done that, then bear the fruit 
in keeping with what you said, what you thought, in the direction that you turned. One writer says it like this. Repentance is not a matter of words and ritual, but of a real change in life. Read that again. Repentance is not a matter of words and ritual, but of a real change of life. It is by what we do in response to God's demands, rather than by what we hear or say that we will be judged. Let me read that one again. It is by what we do in response to God's demands, rather than by what we hear or what we say, that we will be judged. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus, in just a couple chapters in Matthew's gospel, we're not preaching through the gospel of Matthew right now, but if we were, in just two chapters, we would hear three short stories that Jesus gives about what true repentance looks like. And it, it's the same point as John the Baptist. Let me just read a little bit of that. It's, if you have a, a Bible, it's not on the screen, uh, from Matthew 7. I'm just going to read Matthew 7, uh, starting at verse 15. He tells three stories. I, I won't read all three. Uh, first, he says in, in Matthew seven fifteen, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ra- ravenous wolves. This, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Obviously not. So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Just think for a moment. Just examine your fruit. Examine your life. Think for a moment about your relationships. Think for a moment about what is of utmost value to you. You'll figure that out by what you spend your money on and your time. Think about your fruit. What does your fruit say about the state of your heart because I can say all day that my heart is great but if the fruit of my life is in is out of alignment with that then it's then I'm fooling myself Jesus talks about you know in verse in in chapter 7 those who say Lord Lord who don't enter the kingdom of heaven um they didn't do the Father's will. They did their own thing. Part of repentance is doing the will of the Father, not my own will. He, he talks about building your house on a rock instead of on the sand. And the, the storms of life come and, 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 and that house stays up. Why? Because that 
house, that life is on the foundation of um, God's word and God's truth. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It's not a matter of words and ritual, but of real change of life. Um, so, so bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Verse 9, he says, and, and don't say to yourselves, I have a daddy and his name is Abraham and because he's my daddy, I'm good. <laughs> repentance has nothing to do with who your daddy is, who your mother is. It doesn't have anything to do with the tradition that you find yourself in or the lineage that you're in. That's not what repentance has to do. He says, you know what? God can raise up children of Abraham from stones. Big deal that you say he's your father. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's the only way to prepare for the coming of the king. Well, look at verse 11. I'm going to skip forward to 11 for a moment. John says here that um, repentance, it doesn't sound like it. Verses 11 and 12 are really hard and harsh, aren't they? I mean, this preaching of, of, of uh, John the Baptist, it is like right in your face, right? And we know that he, is, he preaches other things, but you go to Luke and it's still the same quality, right? Right in your face. And so, and so we can read this and we can be like, wow, I mean, John is saying turn or burn. Basically, that's what he's saying. He, and he gives, he gives uh, a, a couple of images, but the first one is the axe is already laid to the root of the trees. And, that, and if you don't put, produce good fruit, cut down, thrown in the fire. Let's go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's now. The axe is already at the root of the trees. I could read you uh, I have passages I, won't, I don't have time to read to you, but that is, the, that is the Old Testament symbol of judgment on nations. The axe laid to the root of the trees. And if it's at the root, that means the whole thing's gone. And so it's cut down, no good fruit, cut it down, thrown into the fire. The second image is the, the, the image of the winnowing fork. Now, we're, we don't live on farms, uh, most of us, so uh, that's one that might escape us uh, in the time of Jesus in the ancient world, uh, even into the, the modern world. The threshing floor is a flat surface. Maybe it's a stone, it's cement now, it's that kind of thing. Uh, but what happens is you put all of the grain that's just been harvested um, into a big pile. And on a day when the wind is blowing, uh, you start to t use a, a winnowing fork, like a pitchfork, and you start throwing pitchfork by pitchfork straight up. And what happens is, as the wind blows, the, the casing around the grain is the chaff. You don't want that. You just want the grain. And so when the grain is dried and everything's ready and it's a nice windy day, you flip the scoop from the winnowing fork up and the chaff blows off of where the pile is and the good grain comes right straight back down. And so as you do that, you work your way all the way through it until all the chaff is blown over here. It's like all over the place. It's nasty stuff. It's not good for anything. And, but the grain, you've got all nice grain. And, and notice, he says here that that's an image and, and that the one who, uh, who winnows is going to be 
the one who's to come. It's Jesus. He's coming. And in doing so, he's going to separate the chaff from the grain, and then he's going to clear his threshing floor. He's going to clear it all. And when he clears it, he's going to, what does he say in verse 12? Gather it. He's going to gather his grain. We can read this, and we can get really caught up, and it is true. There is judgment that happens when Jesus returns. And that judgment is one that is based on repentance and the direction that we are turned, the one who we are following, the one who has come and placed his Holy Spirit. That when it talks about being baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire, that's not a second baptism. That means one with whom the Holy Spirit has come. If you are a believer in Christ, you see him, you know him as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is already in you doing that work. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. If you see Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the the conquering King who will come. Repentance is the path out of judgment and the path to Blessing. Verse 12, he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. Wheat will be gathered. That's the whole point of the judgment. It's the whole point of separating the, the, the wheat from the chaff. It's to gather the wheat. Messiah has come to gather his people. Judgment is, is the means to that end. But repentance is the only acceptable posture toward the one who judges every thought and attitude, every word and action. And there is blessing in that repentance. Because Jesus, when he comes We've gathered now. We love it when we gather. We love it when we worship. We love it when we're together around the word and when we're fellowshipping together. Last night, we sang Christmas carols for our homebound loved ones in various places. They loved having uh, people come and sing, seeing young faces. It was a blessing. When you're separated from your loved one and then you are together again, you're gathered together, there is huge joy in that reunion. What Jesus is saying, what John the Baptist here is saying, and that Jesus does, he gathers all his people from every time and place. That is the outcome of that judgment, to bring his people all the way home to himself. We've had some rough weeks, haven't we? With all of the other things going on in each of your lives and in the world around you, we've had a tough week. We're grieving the loss of some saints. We have been, and we're going to this week. Ken, we'll celebrate his life together right here on Tuesday. And then Marie McLean, who passed. We're going to have her funeral at 2 o'clock on Thursday here. We'll send more information about that. But here's the thing. In the midst of this season of Advent, we sang it earlier. Did you hear it? 
Messiah will turn our grief into joy. Messiah will turn our absence, the absences that we feel, into the fulfillment that is more than we in this life could even tolerate, the fulfillment of joy. We live perpetually in a season of death. And yet, for all of those who are facing towards Jesus, And moving along this path of life, bearing fruit of repentance, looking to him as the author and finisher, our Savior and Lord, our our master whom whom we not only love but want to follow with our lives so that people will see the fruit of our life and know that we follow the magnificent one, Jesus. As we walk through this road, we grieve, we can grieve, And yet we can grieve with absolute hope knowing that Jesus is the one who will gather all of his people together on that great and glorious day. Are you facing Jesus? Are you walking towards him? Is there anything in your life that causes you to know your need for repentance? The way up is the way down. If you are in need of repentance today, turn to Jesus. Find the holy ground beneath your knees. Confess. Look to him. Follow him. And may your life bear that good fruit. How do we prepare for the king? We simply turn around and follow him. Let's pray. Father, how magnificently merciful you are. That even in our sin, you do not cut us off like the chopping down of a Christmas tree. But you extend mercy and grace in Christ Jesus. And you beckon us to follow him. Not only in thought or word, but in, in, in how we live. Father, I thank you for the myriad fruit of repentance that we get to indulge in and see and in our life together. Thank you, Lord, that it is encouraging to us. 
as we interact with people that we know and love in the body, the church, whose lives are just lived as a fragrant offering to you, spurs us on, keeps us going. It inspires us to follow you well. So Father, today, as your spirit ministers to each of our heart in the hearing of your word, I pray, God, that we would bear beautiful fruit that nourishes not only us but the nations and that proclaims the glory of Christ Jesus our Lord in whose name we pray.